Hello, and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, uh, the podcast where we talk about new movies, we talk about good movies, we talk about old movies. The only kind of movies we don't talk about is bad movies, unless accidentally we do talk about a bad movie. It ha- has happened, and it will happen again. Hey, Chris, what do you think about Green Book? But um Green Book content. I'm Caleb Shively. I'm also here. I'm Chris Chafin. I did not even say my name. Oh, sorry. You beat me to it, like, very well. Well, let's put one on the scoreboard for me. Yeah, it's like 10 episodes in, the first time you ever beat me to saying your name first. Welcome to... You always do that. You get that in. I do. It makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, it's a good intro. Honest. Okay, so this week on the show, we heard your feedback, and we're having a special spoiler-free edition. We're going to talk about two movies we're not going to give away key elements of the plot as much as possible we are going to do our best uh so which is probably we'll we'll spoil it a little but like not majorly if i had to guess i would say that the spoiler free will last about 15 minutes of the 40 minute runtime and then we're going to give up because it'll be too hard people would say oh you're trying which that's, is like, yeah, we're, we're going to try. That's like generally all I'm looking for in life is someone to be like, well, An, he did everything he could have done, you know? A noticed of effort. Yeah. Um, so it's a special soft cheese edition that's two films by America's Sweetheart, question mark. Brie Larson. Uh, we're going to be talking about Captain Marvel, which came out just about a month ago, two weeks ago, maybe even. Two weeks ago. Uh, and then also Short Term 12, which is from 2013, I believe. It is from 2013. Believe it. Yeah, so that's this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, But before we get to any of that, Caleb, what have you been watching this week? Baby, um, I finally got around to checking out Free Solo. Man, oh man. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. Uh, I was like, why is this winning? It just seemed not as important as the other documentaries in the thing, but I'm an idiot. That it looks was, like extremely stressful. That's oh, why I did not. Wonderfully stressful. I was so stressed <laughs> out, man. What if something happens? Oh. What if I don't see him again? I could just walk away, but it's like, I don't want to. Really underrated filmmaking. Uh, one, they filmmakers also have to climb a mountain i mean can i just say it did win an oscar for best documentary yeah, yeah. so i don't know if it you can say it's underrated like it's uh, it won the most award it could possibly win in that category uh, it, uh documentaries are eligible for best picture so that it could true. have win best and picture best cinematography and best editing yeah. best everything uh, yeah that's true the uh al gore documentary won for best original song i mean it, but that's like we all had a lot of like pro al gore feelings we needed to process i feel like well, <laughs> you know wasn't what that documentary We're was still all about processing it man yeah what is he up to lately his daughter isn't writing on futurama anymore because that show doesn't exist anymore oh, uh, that's she's writing on disenchanted <laughs> I don't know. They did have a disenchanted reference on The Simpsons last week. Oh, that's good. Um, like comic book guy had a disenchanted figure in his like giant collection of figures. Whoa. Which I did yell to my wife, look, it's disenchanted. Neither one of us liked that show, but for some reason oh, I, I felt like disenchanted. Like I had to do it. 
It was fine. It wasn't. I'm uh, crazy about it. I liked uh, Elfo. He's my favorite character. No, Elfo was the worst character. Oh no, yeah. Elfo. No, he was good. Who the worst was whatever that um, demon was oh, named. Yeah. I, I like don't... Eric Andre though. That's Eric Andre doing some it, voiceover yeah. work. Who's turning a good career of a voiceover actor. He is. Yeah, he He's is in the upcoming Lion King. That's wild. That's wild to me. Yeah. I interviewed him once, and I was trying to get a regular interview with him for like Flaunt Magazine or something like that because he mm-hmm. was. Like the show, it was like a new season of the show or something. And all he would talk about, they were like on some kind of live tour. And he was like, audiences are wild. I threw a whole chicken to the audience and they ripped it up. Things are crazy out here. Like he would only talk like that the entire time that I was talking to him. Um, Maybe it was you. I mean, it actually kind of was, I think. I actually said one of the things I'm most ashamed of ever in an interview to, in, during that you interview. you got to tell the listening audience they're on edge of seat. It's really embarrassing. Um, so he had basically been giving me shit and acting weird the entire time and just like acting, uh, you know, very difficult, like extremely. Like, have you ever seen the Eric Andre show? He was being that difficult mm-hmm. to me. Wow. Yeah. So I was just like grasping at things to talk about, basically, because we had only been talking for about five minutes by the time I ran out of literally everything I had to say to him because he wouldn't answer any of my questions in a straightforward way. So eventually I was just kind of free associating, saying stuff to him. And I, and again, to stress, he was acting like a complete fucking lunatic. And I said, um, this was right around the time that the W. Kamal Bell show had started. And I was like, oh, what about W. Kamal Bell? Like, you want to like, you should like start a rivalry with him. And he was like, Kamal's a really good friend of mine. I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, That fuck. also feels like he's messing with you too. Like, oh, wait, you're trying to switch tones. And he was just like, boom, mess with you. Yeah, I know. Um, which does make me uh, excited. Uh, he has a uh, movie coming out that was at Sundance, I believe. Um, him, it's him and Lil Rel. And it's like a road trip movie. Uh, and it's like a prank movie. Like uh, in the in the wow. grand tradition of Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, So if anyone could take that mantle and do something new with it, I think Eric Andre. That is like very much like I can see him having that career where he has the respectable part of his career where he makes money, but it also supports him just like doing prank movies from an RV with his friends. Oh, yeah. He's a a weird artist, if anything. Come talk to me, man. But you were talking about, actually, it's funny because you just came from a climbing gym Ugh. and you just watched a climbing I movie I hate that I'm a climber night. now. I, Are you like into climbing culture now? No. Uh, like I always, like, I needed a workout and climbing was good for me to do that. It's like a full body thing. And it's like not boring is what no, I think no, about climbing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but after seeing this movie, like he on a scale, like he's at a 10. If like 10 is the highest you could go, I'm at, why am I even talking about it? No numbers. <laughs> Get out of the conversation. I know, but it is like an interest of yours now, climbing. Uh, it is. Like I, like I would never go outside and climb though. <laughs> like I do like baby stuff. Like uh, there's always a mat and there's controlled temperature. I would never, ever do. Like, yeah, like in the outside. He has no harness on insane mountains there's a part of the mountain they called a hollow snowflake for how brittle it was i was like why would you try and touch that it's like a really sensitive liberal is that why movie's insane i i don't really understand the deal with that movie it's a documentary about someone climbing from national geographic uh he is uh just a renowned climber he always uh free solos uh, he's a very confident person as you have to be to climb a mountain wait this guy that climbs a mountain with no ropes it's, is confident it's is that a, what you're a telling degree me? of confidence that i've never seen before and frankly shouldn't exist because he's just such a 
uh, matter of fact and a dick to people just because he has to be just to like hype himself up to do this crazy thing. Like he does have a girlfriend and God bless her. <laughs> um, but yeah, they just cover all the bases of like anything new because like there really is nothing to him other than just, yeah, I'm out here climbing mountain. Watch me for a minute while I eat and go to a school and tell people that I climb a mountain. Uh, so they do like talk to the cameraman, which is very interesting about like, yeah, I could see my friend die. <laughs> That, that's extremely intense. It's yeah. a yeah, a very worth watch. It's on Hulu is where I watched it. Mm, interesting. Um, myself this week. Uh, again, I watched films, but you know, I think we're going to talk about them on the show. Um, yeah, normally I go to the movies on Friday. This last Friday, I did not go to the movies because I had live tickets to see Bob and David from Mister Show perform, Ooh. which was fun. We were talking about it beforehand. They did some like extremely half-assed sketches, and like if we were still on TV today, we probably would have done a sketch about the Fire Festival. Uh, they got with Bob and David. I don't know what that deal is. I think it's just anytime they have free time, they have Netflix. Like, yeah, come on, guys. Have go. have they made more than the first season? Or? No, uh, but I do know like they they were open to it, and it's but they want to do it with like. Uh, Scott and BJ Porter and no, oh, yeah, that's uh, cool. Jay Johnston and Paul and everybody, and that was fun. I mean, the television that I've been watching this week obsessively, I would say, is the uh, Sci-Fi Channel original, The Expanse. I'm watching that like a lot. Oh man! Um, like every night after Catherine goes to bed, I watch one to two episodes of that show. The other night, I couldn't sleep because I was very nervous about work. I woke up at like four in the morning and I couldn't get back to sleep, and so I watched two full episodes of The Expanse, and then I just went back to bed and laid down. It's about, like, Caleb, imagine a future. But it's, like, uh, you know, not that far, maybe a couple hundred years. Okay. People, people live on Earth. Okay, right? Sure. You follow me? You've heard of Earth. We're on Earth, hundred years-ish. Sure, right. People also live on Mars. That's, like, second hmm. Earth. That's, like, basically been terraformed, and lots and lots of people live on Mars. Hmm. Okay. Also, there's a third group of people that are called belters. They live out like in asteroid belts where they're like mining for resources and people kind of treat them like trash. They're like the blue collar. They're working. Exactly. And Wait, where do they live? Uh, asteroid space? belts, like in maybe in the asteroid they belt. They live in the asteroid past belt? Past Mars. Like, are you familiar with this? Sure. That's a, a horrible place to live. Well, they were mining for resources, Caleb. I okay. mean, that's like, why does anyone live in the desert? It's like they're getting oil out of the desert. To find a lamp. I mean, that is not why anyone lives in the desert. I appreciate lots of people live in the desert for other reasons, <laughs> but that's one of the reasons. Um, and one of the wrinkles of this show is that all the belters have South African accents for some reason, which is like extremely off-putting. Weird. They built their solar system on our backs, spilt the blood of a million of our brothers, but in their eyes... We're not even human anymore. Lane Price uh, from oh, Mad yeah, Men, sure. uh, whose wife in real life is like a comedian, right? I feel like he's somehow friends with every 28-year-old comedian in LA because Jared Harris's wife is an aspiring comedian. Did not know that. Um, you'll see him like pop up on very random people's Twitters or Instagram because they're like having a party at his house you know, via his wife. Anyway, he's doing a South African accent and he's doing maybe like the best one on the whole show. And it's... <laughs> Not perfect at all, you know? Um, but it's kind of fun. It's like a very serious, like a kind of hard sci-fi show. Oh, hard sci-fi. Yeah, lots of people die by being like shot out into space or, you know, something like that. Although there is some kind of whole deal with the proto-molecule. That's very complicated. Um, <laughs> anyway, speaking of insane space nonsense, this is kind of a good way to talk about oh. our first movie this week. That's uh, Captain Marvel. Great segue. Your life began the day it nearly ended. 
We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. I'm not gonna fight your war. I'm gonna end it. Captain Marvel is the 21st movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you can believe that. And they had to do 20 movies, I guess, before they got to one with a female protagonist. This is the first. Uh, It stars Brie Larson as uh, Veers, an ass-kicking soldier in the... uh, As an ass-kicking soldier in the Kree... it's like basically the Navy SEALs. Uh, the movie follows her as she fights the Kree's enemies, the Skrulls, and learns about herself. A big centerpiece of the movie is a trip back to 1995 Earth. The space parts are always take or also take place in 1995. You just can't tell because it's outer space. Um, and they get back to Earth. It's like very, you know, it's kind of a marketing thing of the movie. It's got this very painstakingly reconstructed 1990s earth with all these band posters and soundtracks a blockbuster video a bunch of jokes about like cd-roms loading slowly she meets samuel l jackson playing nick fury um and does her best to save the earth while discovering her own past caleb uh i was my idea to do this movie i saw it i thought it was great and it's popular and i was kind of forced you to go see it so yeah. i'm wondering what you thought about it i'm not uh, a big superhero guy in general uh, i do like when it has darker turns or uh, cool effects but these are pg-13 movies uh but as far as the ones i've seen which you said this is 21 i've probably seen more than half i would imagine i don't keep track uh, <laughs> <laughs> i liked it uh i would say behind guardians and black panther but I liked it, and uh, there's things that I thought were, you know, it's mass entertainment. You have to like look at it through a, a more rosier thing. Uh, thing uh, classes is <laughs> the term that yeah, is right. uh, what goes with rosy. But for the most part, I think the Marvel universe has done a good job, and with just hiring really charming people. And Brie Larson really is that charming. I really appreciated that there was no love interest in this movie. Yeah, that's true, right? They had to write a really big superhero or like there is a well-written superhero and they had to really live up to it. And that was kind of cool that they kind of made it seem that big of a superhero. I was impressed by yeah. uh, the more second half of once it actually got going. Yeah, once it gets going. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked the film. It, I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is that for some reason it's gotten a lot of mixed reviews or like negative reviews, even from people that are not, you know, obviously part of not that contingent. as I. Well, no, part of it is like the we hate the Ghostbusters contingent the mm-hmm. like why is there a movie about a girl even though this character historically has been a girl mm-hmm. um but that you know there's this subsection of geek culture that is always going to have that opinion and they're very 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 vocal and active online like famously they tanked the uh Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie before it had even come out and they forced Rotten Tomatoes to change the rules for how the audience scores are tabulated because you used to be able to go on and give your review before the movie had Which actually is a, come out. a very good thing that you can have to see a movie to rate it. That's a very smart thing they did. Yeah, so now they changed the rules so you... you it's it, dumb it's that it only open after release date. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you know what's really interesting to me speaking about that just as a very quick sideline? And one thing I've noticed in the like parts of geek culture that I participate in 
is that when geeks talk about something score on Rotten Tomatoes, they're never referring to the critical score. They're always referring oh, to the I audience know. score, which I think is so weird. Yeah. Like, I never, I never, never, ever look at that score or think about it. Uh, I never contemplate anything about that side. I think that's stupid as hell. Rotten Tomatoes is the dumbest thing. Well, I, I like it for a kind of critical consensus, and I know that you can't reduce a critic's review yeah, exactly. to like, good or bad. But um, Which is what they try to do. If someone gives it like a, a middling review, they count that as a good review. It's yeah, yeah, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's why movies have like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know. It's dumb. It's not a skill that should work. You but, find... This is what my tip is for anyone. You find critics that you... Uh, read critics, find some that you uh, relate to, and then keep reading them, and then follow them on Twitter. And yeah, exactly. That's how you develop more opinions. Welcome to Coming Attractions. There were some respectable critics who were giving it bad reviews, yeah. and I would even overhear people at work that I, you know, think are good, reasonable people, offering these kind of weird, like, oh, I don't know, it was just like not, this wasn't that great, and... This I, isn't a spoiler, but this is a movie that does have... A character look at another character and go, hey, how do I look? Fresh. And then they high five. <laughs> that does happen in this movie. So that's not good. I mean, I was in the middle of making an argument that it was good. So <laughs> I don't appreciate you sabotaging me like that. That's like pretty fucked up. <laughs> Sorry. So like as somebody who's seen, I would say, 18 of those 21 Marvel movies, the only ones I think I haven't seen are uh, the two Thor movies. And even I watched half of one of the Thor movies. <laughs> um, and then I didn't see one of the Iron Man sequels, the, like the third Iron Man. That just did not look good to me. It looked pretty stupid. Also, can I be honest with you? It looked kind of sad. That's one reason I didn't see it, because the trailer was... Uh, Ben Kingsley exploding Iron Man's really cool house. And I was like, oh no, I love Iron Man's cool house. I don't oh, want to watch this movie. Is the house a character? Is like have a voice? <laughs> well, I mean, Jarvis was inside the house. That's but cool. What the point I was getting around to making was that as somebody who's seen so many of these Marvel movies, and I have seen almost every DC movie, I didn't see Aquaman, although I did want to. I just didn't What's get around DC? to it. I'm kidding. I thought Captain Marvel was great. I thought it was very charming. I thought it was... It had some twists and turns, some things happen you didn't see coming. Like even I, as you know, someone who consumes media all the time, and as somebody who's familiar with the Kree and the Skrull from both Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 and from the X-Men animated series from the 90s, they actually are like a really big part of that. Um, they're like one of the more ridiculous and stupid parts of it, but they are like a big part of it. Um, I was surprised by things that happened in the movie, which I think is so rare in a big budget movie sure. like this. Um, and I thought that a lot of, the shit Brie Larson did was super cute. I thought that there was like a little girl in it that's super cute. Her chemistry with Samuel L. Jackson is really sure, good. Sure. Another interesting thing about it is for how much uh, Samuel L. Jackson has been in these movies, and he has been in many, many, many of them, this is almost like he's the lead of this movie. Yeah, and he's the co-lead. Yeah, he's, the he's co number two on the sheet. Yeah, and he's number two on the call sheet, right? Yeah, so paging Scott Ackerman. It was great, but it was great to get to see him get to do his thing yes. for an extended period of yeah, time a in a superhero movie. he's a 70-year-old man at this point, and he's still kicking shit out in a superhero movie. Which was great. The, and, yeah. The, um, and why did he have to wait 10 years to get a chance to do that in one of these movies? Like, he should have been doing this, like, a long time ago, because yeah. he's really good at it and very charming. Like, he's a movie star, you know? There's a reason that he's a movie star. Space invasion. Big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. Uh, Jude Law was also 
a good Marvel. Like, oh, how is he going to react into the Marvel universe? Yeah. Uh, One of my more shameful opinions is that I like stand for uh, Jude Law like really hard really? in any situation. I like him in everything. He has that uh, swarthy charm. Like it's yeah. kind of it's always weirdly sexually charged. Like whatever he does, yeah, yeah because like, he's so fucking beautiful. That's why. True. And uh, also, I love him as like a fellow person who's losing his hair. Like, I really am <laughs> always tracking his hairline. I want to see what's going on up there. Um, they did have him. They had him doing this thing in this movie where he's wearing a wig, but it's like a widow's peak wig. Um, <laughs> I didn't like, realize that was a wig. It's almost his real hairline, but it's like so much thicker, and it's actually substantially further up his head than his <laughs> real hairline. Uh, overall, I'd say once you get past the information dump at the beginning, which kind of wastes the outer space my opinion in the beginning and once you get to earth would you say it's a waste of space caleb is that it's what you're a haste of waste exactly what i just said it's pretty fun i mean i would definitely put it up in the top yeah the top five maybe yeah. the top like three of all these marvel movies um i mean it definitely has its problems you know like the lighting is not great oh, every Mar- you know the marvel costumes look kind Black of stupid Panther. you know um yeah a lot of it is formulaic but i think as a piece of mass entertainment I just don't understand if you are a fan of Marvel movies not being into this movie unless you have some kind of weird sexist baggage that yeah, you're bringing the, to it. Yeah, I, I think, mean, that would be the only reason. I, I don't see any other reason. I mean, and because she's not like Harley Quinn in uh, Suicide Squad where her like ass is hanging out of her pants. She's dressed like very conservatively and normal the entire thing. Or even thing. Uh, Wonder Woman who is also yeah, like half naked. shoulders out that whole time. I love yeah, these shoulders. This, that Harley yeah, with her um, shoulders out. She's a, a gem in this movie. Like, I think the go-to for uh, Wisecrack is uh, Indiana Jones in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, yeah, on that level of just being like good liners and just fun superhero that i like would like to see more of and i felt like there was one other thing i wanted to say about that movie goose the cat goose the cat big star big huge star, yeah still right? i probably have been on the internet you've probably seen how great goose is and goose i was like cat. i mean it's funny oh it, it's the, great the cat is funny yeah it really is good aren't you the cutest little thing aren't you cute <laughs> that's my if if the studio was listening and they needed a pull quote the cat is funny that cat good cat yeah uh, it's very good and it's it's like actually a pretty big part of the movie saw and that... a big part of the marvel cinematic oh, universe sure. you know i saw this on uh line after thinking of it myself <laughs> just because i googled it afterwards <laughs> uh stanley's cameo oh this might be a spoiler anyway he's reading uh he plays clearly is playing himself he's playing himself and he's on the way to his yeah to, to play himself in mall rats yeah, yeah so right. which is and in mall rats he references that he wrote He's Stanley. He wrote all these comics. He, so, and she's there. So, <laughs> so how could Stanley exist in a universe he, where his creations yes. also exist? Is it he? I think what I've from my internet research, mm-hmm. he's a benevolent god amongst oh god. us. That's why he gets to be in all these movies. Well, in I've recently been watching the last season of Adventure Time, and one of the things that happens throughout the last few seasons of Adventure Time is Ice King is writing fan fiction about Finn and Jake, where it's Fiona and Cake, and their genders are flipped, and they're ladies. Um, and that's that. actually a very popular comic book now. They they make Fiona and Damn. Cake comic books, and instead of a dog, Fiona is a, or Cake is a cat. Uh, anyway. They posited in a recent episode that, in fact, he's receiving some kind of weird TV transmissions directly to his brain from somewhere, and or maybe information from another universe, and Fiona and Cake are, are as real as Finn and Jake, and he's just somehow getting these 
So maybe that's it. Maybe he's getting like dispatches sure. from the universe. That'd be cool. Um, I did really think that was funny. I mean, the the him rehearsing for his scene in Mallrats is one of many, many, many 1995 specifics in this movie <laughs> that it hits so hard. Um, and it's easy to have it be one of those things like, LOL, 90s nostalgia, LOL, like, you know, like, and it's like overdone. But I thought it was actually mm. pretty well done. I mean, it was, it just very much took place in 1995. It was you know? in the sense uh, that they cast background extras very well yeah. uh but it just felt like overall more like a set dressing than an right like i mean needed to be there were so many band posters everywhere like i mean i guess there are band posters a lot mm-hmm. but there seemed like so many in this uh i wish the were. soundtrack hit a little bit like it was fine and you know, there, what are you talking about the soundtrack was great i mean you have there's a fight scene to uh just a girl which should have been much cooler i always have problem with their fight I mean, scenes their I fight scenes say, in marvel movies are always kind of bad so just on this point my wife told me that that was extremely exciting and emotional to her <laughs> to watch that fight scene to just a girl they cut away so much during it though that like but this know. is the other part I that i will say very is the representational part of this film which is easy for us to miss as men i mean like i'm saying my wife who is mm-hmm. you know in her mid-30s i won't say how old she is but um she thought that was like great and so cool and i will say just this past weekend i was at a barnes and noble uh with her we were looking for a book and um there was a 12-year-old girl and her dad at the checkout and she picked up one of those stupid commemorative like where there's a magazine just about one thing you know where it's about like harry styles or something but this was like a marvel one and she picked it up she was i saw her looking through it for a second and then she went dad this whole thing is about captain marvel and she was just like so excited and like jazzed on it i mean i think that's very important you know and i think it's good for for women of course to have, yeah. women and girls and like why in the world did they not have that until now and it's because there used to be this idea right that this wasn't the kind of thing women liked um, which is obviously not, not true. true. Yeah. And they did a good job of just making it uh, enough about like there, she is a woman, she is a female and she does have to overcome stuff. There is like a little bit, there's a cockpit joke, cockpit joke in it. Uh, but then it's just like, right, right. Yeah. Cause she faces some adversity right in her life. And then it's just all about her as being just, so she's just a badass person. She just can weather all this weight. Um, before we not talk about her, uh, Annette Benning is in this movie. Oh, yeah, great. It's so, it's so one of my one of the all time great actresses, Annette Benning. It was very unexpected. Was in a to Marvel me movie. She Benning wields a gun up. in a Marvel movie. Yeah, she plays. I mean, spoiler, kind of. She plays like a couple different iterations of herself. Yeah. Um, and sometimes she's evil, and sometimes she's good, and sometimes you're not sure if she's evil or good. And other times she's shooting a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really uh, cool. Like I said, they do a great job of casting, and sometimes you just have someone who's so good that they could just mess around it seems like they're doodling on paper but they're just a great actress Annette Benning. <laughs> totally um so that's captain marvel uh our second movie this week is short term 12 short term 12 short term 12 this is grace remember you're not their parent you're not their therapist you are here to create a safe environment and that's it Got it. Uh, from 2003. Uh, it's from director Destin Daniel Creighton. It's the story of Grace, played by, again, Brie Larson, uh, who works at a care facility for at-risk teens. Needless to say, this counselor has problems of her own, and there is some projecting onto one particular teenager who reminded of herself. Yes, there is. Uh, commonalities aside, there is some real motion drawn from this site-specific film. 
The care facility is populated by an ensemble featuring a lot of our favorite actors, uh, current Oscar winner Rami Malek, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, John Gallagher from The Newsroom, Caitlin Devers plays the young girl. They all bring uh, insight to this fairly maudlin movie. Uh, the movie really is very much a start turn for Brie Larson. This is 2013. Uh, this is like one of her first big indies. She got some awards notices from it. She brings the charisma to the darker moments, and she earns pathos in those lighter moments. It won one of my favorite awards, Best Editing at Film Independent Spear Awards, where it was also nominated for Brie Larson and Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, the editor's name is Nat Sanders. He also did Moonlight and Beale Street Could Talk. It was a really, it was a really good movie. I had not seen it or really heard of it before we you told me about it for uh, this week's episode. Um, but I mean, right, the first thing is just the cast. I mean, to see like Brie Larson, Rami Malek, Lakeith Stanfield credited here as Keith Stanfield. As Keith, yeah. He yeah, also right. has a soundtrack credit. I, I well, noticed. he does like a rap song over the credits. Yeah. He does like oh, the, yeah. It's not like a full Will Smith where he's talking about the events of the movie, but it's like no. kind of similar. <laughs> uh, he does have yeah a rap breakdown in the, the movie too. Yeah, that is one of the things I wasn't my favorite thing about the movie is like the one black character has to rap. Yeah. Uh, was like, does he really have to rap? I mean, can't he just <laughs> be like a kid like everybody else? Um. But, you know, to watch them all perform. And Rami Malek doesn't really have a lot to do. No, he's uh, more of just the new guy in the background. And 2013, was this, I guess this was before Mr. Robot? Yeah. But it must have been, like, right before Mr. Robot. Uh, Mr. Robot was only, like, 2015, so yeah. Okay, yeah. He was yeah, probably yeah. right around the master was also. He's just, like, smiling and acting like kind of a doofus. He's supposed to be, like, kind of the awkward nerd. yeah. Like he, uh, he comes to work at, there's basically like Brie Larson and the guy from the newsroom and, uh, Stephanie Beatrice all work there and it's like Rami Malek's first day. It's a very interesting film in a lot of ways. Um, it did strike me, it, it's kind of suffers from that like Little Miss Sunshine disease. Oh, a hundred percent. There's yeah. like a total indiness to it. It's so fucking twee sometimes, yeah. you know. I mean, Brie Larson only rides her bicycle around. Yeah. Uh, a kid um, has a bunch of tiny dolls. Yeah. Uh, there is a bunch of craft time. Like, is there ukulele on the soundtrack, or is it just kind of like ukulele? It's something like that. Ukulele-esque, yeah. But I think the real problem with that is like, well, so let me say, first of all, um, so it's about these kids in a care home, and it's actually like pretty for real. You yeah. Know, the it, way that they it, treat it these troubled teens. It feels almost like a documentary at times. Yeah, because the teens spend so much time screaming and breaking things, but not in a way that seems like over dramatic it's just like they're they lose their tempers and they freak out and then it's their the worker's job to like calm them down which is like they do by like hugging them down to the ground and just saying let it pass let it pass which i wish i had known was an option when somebody is freaking out and losing their temper i feel like i'm gonna do that all the time now (laughs) and just grab them as hard as i can and go let it pass let it pass they have to grab both their arms and then sometimes and their, their feet. feet. Yeah, exactly. Sit them down. Um, but basically, there was a time as you got maybe a half to two thirds through the movie where it's it seemed like this the movie wanted to start getting a little darker, but it doesn't. It doesn't no. at all. Like nothing dark happens. No. Basically, like actually, increasingly more positive things happen. Everything uh, works out at the end. Like yeah. they and, introduce and in the middle and in the yeah. beginning, like everything works out all like the time. Like this is a, a care facility for troubled teens. Uh, uh, cutters are that's a very big gets introduced uh, multiple times. Uh, so when the person who does cut themselves, oh, spoiler, there it yeah, is, right. spoiler. But uh, 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 but but you didn't say who. You just yeah, said a person. A person. They're fine at the end. Like everything. Like there's um, uh, problems with 
Brie Larson and her Grace is her character's name and her boyfriend. Mm. Uh, they're fine at the end. And I mean, looking at this movie, right? I mean, we're talking about it because Brie Larson has yeah, gone yes. on to have a career, yeah. um, you know, that's been very, very uh, successful. Oscar winning career. Actress. Oscar winning career, right. Um, it is interesting to look at it from that point of view, like to say, you know, can you spot that sh- this is somebody with star potential, especially surrounded by yeah. like Keith Stanfield. Look, Keith Stanfield is like so good in this movie and he's very intense mm-hmm. and his part is really like pretty broadly written, but he brings something like so real to it that, you know, he is like the standout of the movie yeah, in a lot of ways. You can't take a, your eye off him at a, a certain point just because uh, you don't know what he's, how he's going to react to things. Yeah, and also just a do. very uh, good acting, good character. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I've heard interviews with him from her when Sorry to Bother You came out, and he's just so fucking intense all the time. Like, oh, that yeah. is what he's really like. Remember when he came out at the Oscars uh, and just said, get did the get out thing at the Oscars? That's the, one of my favorite Oscar moments. <laughs> I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was good. good. And he committed that so hard. But with Brie Larson, it's like she is the lead of the movie, right? And she does a lot of acting where she just is kind of being, where that's mm-hmm. the hardest kind of acting to do, where you're not necessarily doing anything you're just like listening or you're talking to somebody i mean it's hard to just have a conversation with somebody in character and to react to the other people like the the these trouble they're troubled youth it's like they're seen to like be troubled and be to act to chew some scenery here and brie larson just offers this space of just being like yeah i'm giving it to you my, you could tell that like, my character herself is going through all this stuff doing judging but also like playing catch with it Mm-hmm. Uh, just volleys back and forth very well as actor. It really elevates the movie into like it's a solid movie, but it elevates through a, a, such a great performance. I mean, she's just like so present in the movie yes. and in the character. Like there were times I was watching it, and especially there's a scene where she's on a date with her boyfriend, um, and they're just like cracking up and like acting silly and like rolling around. And I was thinking to myself. She is so good in this scene. Did this poor doofus think that Brie Larson <laughs> liked him? You know, uh, uh, I said Jason Gallagher's from the newsroom because that's the only. thing I mean, I yeah, really I would agree. From. And he looks a lot better in the newsroom. In this movie, he's yeah. like maybe he's, twenty pounds heavier. He's two thousand thirteen. He's very two thousand thirteen indie in that he had a scraggly ass beard. Yeah. And at one point she draws a picture of him and he says, oh, I look like a homeless person. And she goes, you kind of do look like a homeless yeah. person. She lands is... everything in this movie. Such a... Such a yeah, every dumb line presence. she lands, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like amazing. I mean, I liked it in a lot of ways. It's funny because they're, they're those group of characters, they're supposed to be the frontline staff, the non-clinicians like at this home for troubled teens. And it is funny that like, are all those kind of people like attractive 22 year olds? I normally think of them as being like kind of jaded, <laughs> like 45 year old African American women, but there's no one like that on the staff of this place. They're all like super hot 22 year olds um, and who barely seem to be like Keith Stanfield seems as old as all of them. Yeah, he's supposed you know? to be, uh, his character is about to turn 18, so he's about to leave. Right. So he's 17 in it, but yeah, he's... Yeah, what are they, 22? You know, most, like, yeah. yeah, he's probably in his early 20s there. Yeah, exactly. They and look playing exactly the wiffle same ball age. with 12-year-olds. There is funny, because there's a scene, this is not really a spoiler, where they somebody gets in a fight and uh, somebody gets cracked over the back with a wiffle bat. 
and they act like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. A wiffle bat is hollow plastic. Yeah. Like, that's, just, that is the least anything, painful thing that you could get hit with. A couple seconds. Especially in the category of bats, that is definitely <laughs> the least painful bat. Even like L, uh, like the mammal, it would be more painful if it flew straight into your face. <laughs> like a wiffle ball bat is nothing. It's nothing. Maybe if you angle it at the correct way. I guess hit, so. If, if hit him got, in the eye. If you got somebody right on the edge of the front, you know, Temple of the top, yeah. if you maybe maybe then it would be bad. So one funny thing I just wanted to mention is uh, there's one scene in the movie where there's like a very skinny redheaded kid and there's sort of this joyful moment in the movie where he puts on an American flag as a cape and runs around, which I just thought was like a very evocative image that's kind of extremely cliched. And so I had a bunch of uh, descriptors of that moment that I would like to read oh, to please. you, Caleb. Um, it's Harmony Kareen's J. Crew catalog. <laughs> it's This Is Us's 4th of July marketing campaign. It's an ad for an MTV original series. <laughs> it's a cutaway in a Grimes video set at a backyard wrestling match. <laughs> it's If Ron Howard Directed Gummo. Whoa. Yeah, um, those were that's the run that I thought of at one in the morning last night for that scene in that movie. Um, yeah, I would say overall it's like it's like you know it's kind of it's kind of a slight movie, but I would say it's very human. Yeah. It's much more human than a lot of movies you see. And one thing I really liked about it was that it kind of posits there are people between people who are like absolutely destitute and you know are like drug addicts and mm-hmm. people who are fabulously wealthy. It's just about people in their early twenties who are like doing fine yeah you know very human just like have way. a job and they just are trying to live their life yeah uh it's been so i saw it when it first came out in 2013 uh and then it is on amazon currently uh so you could watch it so i watched it recently just to remind myself of it it didn't hold up i didn't like it as much as i remembered liking it but the brie larson performance washes over you um but also uh it's worth checking out for checking out the director his name is I'm going to read it because I always forget it. Destin Daniel Creighton. Uh, he, to make this full circle, he's directing an upcoming Marvel movie. It's so wild. That's it so is very wild. wild. Um, I need just, to look up the name Caleb, of the Marvel like, movie because I, I don't know. I feel like you and I could have an idea for a movie today, make it in the next two years, and we would get to direct a Marvel movie. Ooh. Uh, it's called Shang-Chi. Do you know Shang-Chi? I don't know. I don't know Shang-Chi. I'm They're not familiar with that. reaching down for comic book characters. I believe uh, you described this as the Asian Shang Marvel Chi. movie. Recently. It is Shang Chi is a. Is there another Asian Marvel movie? Well, I guess there's Iron Fist, but that's a white guy. That's not a Marvel movie. Who does movie. Asian stuff? The upcoming Shazam. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shang Chi is a Chinese criminal mastermind son who became a hero when he learned the truth about his upbringing and devoted his life and talents to taking down his father's criminal empire. What? Wow, that's very complicated. I can see that. I mean, look, all these Marvel movies are basically about they're about finding out who you are and they're about figuring out how you relate to your parents. That is like what 90% of them are about, um, which is very weird. I mean, I guess that's a common human thing. I haven't, you know, I knew who I was and how I related mm-hmm. to my parents my entire life. So this is not a big thing for me. <laughs> is that why Batman's cool? Because his died. parents are dead. Is that why Superman sucks? Because his parents were so supportive. I think so. Yeah, exactly. What a um, bitch that Superman what is. What a fucking piece of garbage. I found a really funny interview with Brie Larson from when this movie came out. It's like in The Guardian. And mm-hmm. it's um, it's basically acting like 
it's it's trying to be like this is the new hot it girl of Hollywood, oh, wow. and it's like describing you know her the sunlight shining through her hair and <laughs> like the dress that she's wearing, and it's like um, more writing than actual content. Yeah, and it's like oh, like what about all the Oscar buzz around this movie and your performance? Like, do you think you'll get nominated for an Oscar? And I was like, for this movie, guys, come on. I mean, it was good. It was fun. Uh, Gotham. Best actress. Gotham's always a yeah, okay. cool award show. And again, it's it's you know it's le- it's about seven years on from Little Miss Sunshine, which was like yeah. the biggest movie of the year, and had such it's a, darker like, than Little Miss Sunshine, is it? Yeah, barely. It's just like this. You forget. You forget, especially from this vantage point, the seismic effect that that movie had on cinema for oh, many sure. many years, and it was really kind of corrosive because everybody was trying to make these quirky uplifting kind of serious things and you know we talked about garden state before and it Mm -hmm. just kind of had this like it almost became a formula it became very uh like imprisoning for people for filmmakers Uh, everybody was trying to make exactly the same movie over and over again but it was good thank you for bringing it into my life caleb so actually best choice which of these movies which of these movies would you recommend like let's say uh we are at a bar and uh a very nice acquaintance of ours is talking to us and we've both been kind of talking about these movies and he's like, okay, well, you know, which, which one of these should I see? I'd be like, oh, hey, thanks for talking to me at this bar. I know, I'd be like, what's, was it like your your real friends didn't show up so that you had to talk to me? It's like, is that what happened? It's like, you're my acquaintance. <laughs> I love my acquaintances, but I'd pick Short Term 12. Would you? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend a marvel movie day you would never recommend a marvel movie uh, to someone. If, uh, even maybe. guardians of the galaxy one the best the objectively best marvel movie i guess i would to some to a child yeah i mean short term 12 is good and fun. shout out to all the kids listening yeah right the zero kids that are listening. <laughs> um no i would recommend captain marvel for sure it's a huge piece of mass entertainment it's a lot of fun it's like you know i'm not gonna say like shut your brain off and watch it but it's very much just it's a piece of entertainment made it, it by is. the most talented professionals I don't working want today people to have designed fun. to entertain you, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's very successful at that. Oh, I think yeah. It's great. It's very successful. It's uh, number as of this recording, two weeks in a row, number one at the box office. Oh, yeah. I was trying to look up how much money it made, and I got it made distracted. more money in probably one night than Short Term 12 did. Yes. It is dire. So far, it has made... Seven hundred and seventy million dollars. That's insane. Seven hundred. It's really seven hundred and seventy-nine. So it's more like seven eighty. That's crazy in two weeks. Yeah, that's worldwide. But you know, still you count. It's though. very good. Ooh, boy. Good um, for good for them. Uh, also, shout out Room if we're talking Brie Larson. I just really like Room. Yeah, Room is like a great movie. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think that is the best movie she's ever yeah, done. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. It's very good, and it's but, very unexpected. Like the way that it plays out, I, I was not expecting at all. Yeah. Just a quick room aside. Just a quick room also, the best movie Jacob Tremblay has ever done. Oh my god! I mean, so far, so far, Caleb, so far. Um. <laughs> anyway, that's the show for this week. Actually, best choice movies. Thank you so much for listening, all Bye. you movie we bros. Love you. We do have some picked out what we're going to talk about next week, but I think I we're doing we're riffing again. Oh what, yeah. Are we? You know what are we going to talk about? Um. I feel like just, I, we'll we'll fit Babylon. Did it. I ever make you see Babylon? Yeah, I might not. Have to, uh, You're not going to see it. I don't know. It's in theaters. <laughs> I don't know if I have time. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. Anyway, (laughs) goodbye. Bye.